Welcome to the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast, where we sit down with some of the most successful real estate agents, brokers, and team leaders to learn about their journeys in this industry. I'm your host, Art Batuzzi, and as a seasoned real estate agent of 29 years, I'm always fascinated by the stories of how others found success in this business. On this podcast, we'll be talking to our guests about the obstacles they overcame, the lessons they learned, and the tips and strategies they're using in today's ever-changing market. Whether you're a real estate agent, broker, team leader, investor, or just someone interested in real estate, you're in the right place. Our guests come from a variety of backgrounds and they all have unique insights to share. We wanna have fun with these interviews, but we also wanna make sure that you come away with actionable tips that you can implement in your own business. New episodes will be released weekly, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us on the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast. Let's get started. All right, hey everybody, this is Art Batuzzi with the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast. I am joined today by a former student of mine, Chi Hao Yang, and Chi Hao um, got his license. We were just talking about this off camera here, that he got his license in 2018. So just about five years ago from where we are right now, Chi Hao was in my accelerated class and got his real estate license. Now you may say to yourself, well, all right, Art, it's nice. The guy's been in the business for five years. Why is he a guest on Real Estate Roundtable podcast? And the answer is because I've been watching Chi Hao's uh, career, literally since day one, and seeing how he's gone about his career and seeing how he has grown himself as a brand has been really nothing short of amazing. And I wanted him to be able to come and talk to everybody about what he's done, how he started, how he does what he does, and where he is today in terms of his production, in terms of his day-to-day activities that is making him a tremendous success in real estate. So, Chi Hao, welcome to the Real Estate Roundtable podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Art. It's nice to, you know, to talk to you. You're my teacher. That's how I started. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And I certainly remember you in class. And I certainly remember that you asked a lot of questions. And you were able yeah. to pass the state exam on your first attempt, which yeah. I had no doubt that you would. But you know that, that how I feel in terms of your career, because literally a year after you were in the business, you came back to do your post license with me. And we had a long discussion about what you had done that first year. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Before we get into that, though, why don't you tell our listeners um, how you came to be in real estate in Chicago? So I'm not from Chicago. I was born in Taipei, in Taiwan. 
I moved to Chicago in 2003, so 20 years ago exactly, by myself. I was 15 years old. I came here for uh, high school. So I went to Lake Forest Academy, up in Lake Forest is the boarding school. So I came here by myself. You know, I did not speak a word of English, nothing at all. I have no families here. So I was pretty scared. Like my parents sent me over, they literally told me, you're going to Chicago next year for high school. I was like, what do you mean? Why am I going to school in Chicago? I don't speak English. I have no families, you know, but uh, it was a good time. Like it, it was the right choice for me. They wanted me to have better opportunity, you know, the education here. They wanted to see, they wanted me to see something different. So I came here for high school, college, another four year. I went to Champaign-Urbana, U of I. So I got into real estate right after college in 2010. I started working for a commercial real estate developer, but I was doing uh, marketing stuff like advertising, marketing. It was more for like an EB-5 immigration investment kind of stuff, but we have real estate projects that was focusing on. But it's not until 2018 that I told myself, why don't I know the city so well? And there's so many people like me that, you know, they're not from Chicago. English is now their first language. And then I did, you know, I learned English on my own. I kind of grew up here on my own. I rented the first apartment. I bought the first condo. I'm selling the first condo. Oh, I'm like, I did all this. I knew how nervous I was. And then I didn't have somebody that are, they know what I'm going through to help me. So I told myself, why don't I become that person to guide everybody that they're in Chicago, they're coming from China, Singapore, from Taiwan, Hong Kong. There's so many cities, there's so many places, you know, people speak Mandarin, this is what I speak. So I wanted to be that person that, you know, that I can help people. So in 2018, my friend Kai Yu, who's also your student, told me, hey, she told me she went to you and it was the, it was the best class. So I went to you and then, you know, it was so fun, your classes, and I just, you know, like what we're learning in school and what in real life is so different. Like it's completely different. We don't, a lot of things in class we don't, we don't ever use in, in real life. But your class actually, it was so fun and I loved it from the beginning. And, you know, that's how I got into real estate. And then I, you know, I, I took your classes, I passed right away. And then I've been helping so many people like me in Chicago to achieve their real estate goals or dreams. So let's talk about that first year, because I actually think what you did in your first year was extremely unique yeah. in terms of the way that most real estate brokers get started in this business. Yeah. Because most of them will come in and you go, all right, I want to help people buy and I want to yeah. help people sell. Right. But you did something I think was unique. So why, if you don't mind sharing it, why don't, you tell, why don't you tell our listeners what you did? So I knew right away it was hard to get a buyer right away because why would people trust me? They know I'm new to this business. Like I, it's not like a family business. I don't, my father's not here. They are not developer. We don't have connection. I'm all on my own. So what should I do? I can rent. I can help people rent. So I started helping international students from like China. So they use this thing called I-20. Basically it's a document that shows there are students here. So that's their proof of income. So with uh, international students with I-20 documents, they cannot really rent with private condo owners. So what instead, 
renting from private condo owners, we can I can take them to like downtown high rises managed by like you know Group Fox, Rizzuto, and they, actually that was pretty good because they pay hundred percent commission on those. So I was bringing all this a lot of international students to those high rise to rent. And then I remember in 2018, 2019, I think I was doing like 80 to 100 rental deals a year. So it was a lot. Like I was doing almost like eight to 10 deals a month. Like every week I close a rental deals and then they are all, you know, 2,000 to $3,000. So let's talk about that for a second. So, if I'm hearing you t- say this, because I know we had this discussion back then, is you were you you were talking to these international students who yeah. were coming to Chicago to go to college? Yes, they were okay. here, or or they might have already been here because sometimes they have to stay in a dorm the first year and they're moving out for their sophomore year. So this is where I came in and I started doing like marketing toward them specifically, telling them okay. that you can use me. All right. And then when you were put, when you were finding rentals, um, these people were spending, you know, 2,000, 3,000. I think you told me you had a person that that rented at a $5,000 a month. I have done done a lot of 5,000 too. Well, 5,000 was, you know, I did it at St. Regis. So it's like 4,000 for one bedroom. And I've done like a two bedroom, 5,000 at Streeterville before. And yeah, they 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 have like money is not an issue for a lot of my clientele. They just need a place to go, and the parents will support whatever they want to do because their goal is to you know get to college education. So they want to be in like a nice luxury buildings. So that's when you know like one bedroom in a city in 2018 was probably 2,500 dollars. So two bedroom is over 3,000. So that's what they're looking for. This their budget. And what's interesting here is that when we talked about this, you said to me, this is actually cheap for yeah. people that are coming from those countries. These types yes. of rents are cheap. Well, not cheap necessarily, but like if they depend, like if they have lived in San Francisco before or New York for maybe for like high school or like they also can compare, like, you know, in New York, like a one bedroom is 5000 and in Chicago, 3000 So the way they know the price, it's, it's nothing. Like, it's fairly, you know, it's cheaper in comparison. So then, yeah. then they would rather stay in a building where there's a door person, a gym, a pool, and it's easily, it's located, it's near their college. So that's what they prefer instead of, you know, they're not looking for like the cheapest one. They're looking for yeah. something that's convenient for them. Got it. And and so really during that first year, two years, you build up your business. Like you said, if you're doing 80, 80 leases. Yeah. And so that first year it was, I think you told me you did have some sales, but it was mostly leasing. Yes. It took me exactly 12 months to get my first buyer. So I got my license 2018 May and I closed my first sale in like 2019 June or July. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, obviously that first year, very successful in terms of your income, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, that year two, I think you would told me, correct me if I'm wrong, that some of the people who had rented from you in year one 
decided that they wanted to buy yes. in year two. Correct. So when their lease was coming up, like some people's lease were coming up, I knew they they still have another year, or maybe they that you know after their graduation, I know they they found a job or they they have cash. You know, parents are willing to buy a new condo, so I reach out to all of my clients and asking, hey, is buying an option for you? And of course, some of them, you know, out of a hundred people, one is gonna say yes or two is gonna say yes. So I focus on those people to basically practice because I have never done a sale before. I'm I was so nervous, I remember. And of course, my first client, they, they had no idea that that was my first sales. I was faking it. <laughs> so, you know, I have to talk to them like I knew everything. But of course, I was asking for help because I literally that was my first sales. But you know, I did everything I could. I went above and beyond for that first buyers because I wanted to make sure they're really happy. And at, when we close, they're just so satisfied. And then, you know, the, all the, this people become my referral base. Like they tell people, hey, like Chi Hao just did, you know, we just bought purchase with Chi Hao and he's really good. And then that's how my clients started to refer to their friends and family. And I, that's why I, I'm lucky that I don't have an issue for not, you know, not having clients. I think there's a lot of people's problem. Well, for sure. For sure. But it sounds like that a lot of your business is referral based today. Yes. yes. Right? So what percentage would you say of your business is referral based today versus what it was back then? Ooh, like back then I have to post a lot on like Chinese social, uh, like social media. But now I would say, I would say like 60, 70% of my seller and buyers, they're referral based from like a previous clients and I remember this I have this couple uh, they were moving from California to Chicago and I was a broker in California she found me online and then she said hey I have this couple moving to Chicago can I can I refer them to you for a fee I said sure so I worked with them they bought a a townhouse for 400,000 I still remember in 2019 and this specific couple they refer me to five or six People and I just closed a condo in South Loop yesterday, and it's because of them. And then these people, they probably have no idea that they brought so much business for me because they, because it's they work in an office, and then he told like this person in the office, and that person bought it, and this told like literally I helped the entire thing to purchase, and then I realized that later. Because I asked them, where do you guys work? And then they told me there. I said, are you are you guys all friends? They're like, oh yeah. And then I realized. They all bought it because that person referred them to me. And then I just closed this condo. They don't you know, yesterday, but they don't work in that same office, but they know people in that building who work in the same office. So it's really just, it's like a snowball. They, you know, it gets bigger and bigger and referral base is bigger. So you never know. And then talking about a referral, I think, you know, people anywhere I go, I tell people what I do, but I don't want to be pushy because I don't want to be that insurance guy. You know, sometimes insurance people, they like to ask you for coffee, to sit down for coffee and they want to sell you stuff. I don't do that. Like, you know, when I go to the bar, I talk to people and then we might exchange Instagram and I don't really talk to them about like what I do for work. But they will find out after they go home and I wait until they reach out to me. And I've met so many clients that, you know, from parties, from the bar and just things that 
like normally people wouldn't teach you that where you should be, you know, networking. And then like I I I closed uh, townhouses over a million dollar last year and met this couple at like a big party in Chicago the summer before. So you just never know. And then you know obviously I was you know we were all having fun, but then you know people later on they check out my Instagram, my social media, they know I'm good at what I'm doing. So you know besides the partying or drinking whatever, and then you know when I'm when I'm doing work, I know what I'm doing. So that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously your numbers show us that you you do know what you're doing. So if you don't mind sharing, last year, we'll just take calendar year 2022, yeah. what was your production number? So I got the, I got the car, uh, Chicago Association Realtor, like the top, uh, top producer awards. And I was, I did 12.4 million last year. 12.4 million in yeah. basically your fourth year. It's yeah. Cause I didn't really do sales. And remember there's COVID during COVID I left Chicago. I was gone for a year. I was overseas. I went back to Taipei for a year. <laughs> I didn't really. really? Yeah. Oh, I was in 2020. It. I was there for like eight months. I wasn't, I was in Chicago. I didn't work. Yeah. But then when you came back, yeah. you had, what was your, what was your volume the year before? The 12. So like over 10 million. So in 2021, that's the year I came back to work. And then I was shocked myself too, because I, I took a like eight month break. You know, actually, when I was when I was away, I did a few deals too, which is crazy. It was all like virtual tour and like sites on saying buying and selling. And but I did like three or four of those when I was gone. But when I came back in 2021, my business just took off. And it took me a while to get used to it because my I was doing rentals and now all of a sudden I have so many buyers and sellers that wanted to work with me. And the market was amazing 2021. And that's when I just this is took off and I had to get used to this, you know, new lifestyle of being a realtor, a realtor. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, again, that's pretty spectacular for somebody in their fourth and fifth year. I mean, or third and fourth year, 10 million plus 12.4. I mean, there's some people that's an entire career in real estate. So let's talk about um, how you, you, you actually did that. Meaning okay. what types of, I mean, we talked about the fact that you had done referrals, yeah. but what types of, of marketing do you do? How are you attracting these people? Um, obviously, you had talked about being part of a community, you know, in the Chicagoland area. But uh, I know from our previous discussions, it wasn't only people that were coming from overseas that you're working with. So in 2018, as soon as I got my broker license, I started producing videos. So I have videos that teach people how to rent an apartment. It's like a two minutes clip. I tell them what you need in order to rent apartment, your credit score, your income, your I-20, whatever. And later I started making videos for landlord owners, clients, where if you have a property that you want to rent out, how, how I can help the owners to do so. And then I put them into like a video. And then later I have videos to teach people how to buy 
how to sell, and all of those videos are in English and Chinese, both. If I speak in English, I have Chinese subtitle, or sometimes the videos are in Chinese too. And I think those help a lot for, you know, like the videos kind of give the clients, because I asked the clients before, they, they feel like they already know me before they even talk to me. So there's that, they, they, they're comfortable knowing that I'm like a real person. And then besides those videos, I do a lot of, on my social media, I have Facebook, I have Instagram, I post on LinkedIn, but I also use Chinese platform like WeChat. And there's this app called Xiaohongshu. It's almost like a Instagram, for, a Chinese version of Instagram. And I'm, I'm getting a lot of, I post all my, you know, just rented, just sell, just listed those social graphic online. So then people know what I'm doing. I, I think sometimes it's annoying that I'm doing this a lot for people that are, they don't need, you know, the need, the, the assistant right away, but you know, everybody needs a place to live, either they rent or they buy. So they, it might be annoying for them. Now they are like, I don't get likes from those posts, but three years down the road, when they're ready to sell, guess who they're going to think of as me? Because I, they see my ads every single day. So they are going to refer me out to their friends. If somebody needs it, so, oh, I, I see Chihau's post every day. So they refer me out. So I think be, you know, to be consistent is important for marketing. Because if you don't tell people what you do, nobody's going to like, why would people come to like, they don't know what you're doing. So you tell people what you do. I'm sure... I'm sure, you know, that's, that's how I got some of the people. But it's also very, very important because you see some people's social media, they only post about work. Like you, you can go into people's accounts and all they post is work, 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 everything else. You don't even have a face photo of the broker. That's boring. That's stupid. Like why, why I wouldn't want to work with somebody that's just all about work. So with me, it's different. I give different contents. I, I post about what I eat, what I do for fun. When I travel, I post. I don't, I don't mind sharing about my personal lives with, with my clients. And I think that's important because that's authentic. People know I'm a real person. I'm not a robot. So I'm fun to work with. You know, when you work with me, when we go out to see places, it's not just going to be about work only. But I'm sure everybody's fun, but then you don't show it to your client. You don't, like you just, if you, all your posts is about work, like why would people choose you than other people? But you know, when you do, when you're, when you open up to share maybe other, like maybe you're, you have a pet, you have a cat, you have a dog, share it with your client. So you, you get that connection that people could find it and then you don't want it to work with you. Well, what I like about your your feed I, I pretty much follow you on insta and probably facebook mm -hmm. um is that you do do that and you travel too yeah. and what's really cool is like i've never traveled i mean i have traveled europe but i've yeah. never traveled to some of the places that you've gone to yeah. and so when you do pictures of the area or you do pictures of you know whether you're on a beach or you're on whatever it's it's interesting and what i like is that it's not you it, i don't ever get the feel feeling that you're bragging yeah you're just like hey here's where i am and this is isn't this fun or look like you said sometimes it's the food sometimes it's you know different things and so it's an 
interest, you're an interesting follow. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things. And, and I look to see, you know, how many people are liking stuff and how many people are uh, responding to. So you do get engagement yes. from people. Yeah. Right. Because I know if I just post about work, nobody comments, nobody could likes. But if I post about my personal stuff and then people will comment and, and then when, once they're commenting, I know they will go back to my account and look at other things right i just i want i want engagement from my audience yeah and you're getting it and i think it's showing obviously in your business now um you know what i what i find interesting is going back to that first year i remember those videos of you educating people and i think you know as a guy who educates people to do to get their real estate license, but also as a broker, I I think a big part of this business is education. What's your thought? I think it's very important. You have to, you have to let your clients know that you're the experts in this business. Like during COVID 2020, everybody is scared. They don't know what to do. I, even though I was in overseas in Taipei, but I did so many virtual tours because during that time, People are just scared to move. Like, you know, they don't want to leave home. So I, I started emailing all my clients. Don't worry. I know your lease is coming up. Now you don't have to leave home because the buildings provide virtual tour. So I literally sat in my room in Taipei. And then I sent those links to my clients. Say, hey, here's the video of this unit. Here's the video of this unit. If you liked it, you know, you cannot see in person because it's not allowed now. But if you like it, you can apply and, you know, I was doing deals when I was in Taipei. So you just have to be proactive, like get to know what's going on and be the first person to tell your clients. And then your clients going to listen to you because they are, they don't know this. And then that's, and I think that's important. So you get back from Taipei and you go on this run where you, you do a $10 million a year, right? Yeah. And what was the biggest surprise for you in terms of you having that kind of a year? I was surprised how, you know, like I would say 2018, 2019, 2020, I was doing farmings, like, you know, slowly planting seeds for my business. And I didn't think, because I talked to a lot of brokers that have been in the business for like 10 years, 15, 20 years. They told me, oh, you just have to be patient. You have, you know, some, it doesn't, it doesn't come right away. You just have to, you know, it might be tough for the first like five, seven years. And then they, so I don't, I didn't, I didn't expect to be, to be, to have this much value in like my third year, fourth year in business, this business, but you know, this price was good. And I quickly adopted to, the lifestyle because obviously I'm still on my own. I don't have a team. I mean, I have my team of like internal lender, attorney, and like inspector, but I don't have a system because a lot of the things I have to do deal with or you know communicate with is in Chinese. So if I have somebody who helps me, the person has to know the language fluently. And I just haven't found that person yet. So I do everything on my own. So I really like, even when I'm go, when I go on vacation, I still have to work. It's, you know, like realtors don't get a day off. And I just, so yeah, like that's a surprise for me, but you know, I love 
I, I see myself doing this as my career. Like it's not a job for me. So that's why I'm happy doing it. Like when I have to work late or when I have to like reply emails during vacation, I don't, I don't complain because I know this is what I want to do. I chose to do this. I don't want to be working in office, working for somebody else. I want to, I want to work for myself. Yeah. Well, and you love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I think clients can see it too, because yesterday I just got a, a Zillow review from my clients. She said that I can see that you love this job from the bottom of your heart. And that's why we wanted to work with you instead of Refent. That's what they told me. So I was like, yeah, like, I'm just so glad that, you know, you, I, I didn't tell them that, but they can see it from my communication, like how much effort I'm putting in. So that's kind of like, it, you know, put a smile on my face yesterday when I read the review on Zillow. Well, again, people will respond when they see a broker who is good at what they do and loves it. Like you said, you don't treat it like a job. It's your career. You chose to do this. Yes. And that's key. Now, let me ask you this. In your opinion, you know, only having been doing this five years, what is the most important skill a real estate agent or broker needs to develop? I think stay organized because I, I, I'm super, super organized. I know what I'm doing every day. I have a to-do list. And, but that's just me because, you know, sometimes I work with the agents and they, you can tell like the emails they write, they just are not organized. And I don't know how an agent or broker can be successful in this business if they're not organized. I have, you know, sometimes agent miss their appointments. Like I am the listing agent, they're bringing their clients there. I get there, they're not there. And then they text me and say, oh, sorry, I forgot. And I said, how can you forget? Like, this is your job. <laughs> like, I just, I don't understand how, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think stay focused and then stay focused and organized. Like, that, I think that's important for, like, that's like a feature for you know an agent has to be and you just have to be like a people person like you don't want to like you 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 meet people all, all day long and you have to get along with people some agents you know they're just not nasty and just don't know why they're in this business when they're so bitchy <laughs> <laughs> hey there real estate roundtable podcast listeners i want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor i love real estate school if you're looking to get your real estate license or fulfilling your continuing education requirements, I Love Real Estate Schools got you covered. As an Illinois licensed school, they offer the state-required broker pre-license course, managing broker pre-license courses, post-licensing courses, and continuing education. And the best part, you can take the courses either through their live stream with the live instructor or online home study so no matter where you are you can get the education you need to take your real estate career to the next level i love real estate school is committed to helping you succeed in the industry that's why they offer comprehensive high quality education at an affordable price so if you're ready to start your real estate journey or stay up to date with your continuing education head on over to I love real estate school.com today to learn more. 
as a way to stay organized, do you use time blocking at all? I hear a lot of agents talk about time blocking. So how do you manage your time? I just use my phone. So like on my calendar, I like this is my last weekend. I just like put down everything that I have to do like right away. If I like when we set up for this interview, as soon as you told me, I put in my calendar like 11 a.m. on Tuesday meeting was, you know, with you. And then I know I'm going to have to be here. So I never, I wouldn't, I've never missed an appointment. Wow. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That's fantastic. So staying organized is a skill and that's a learnable skill, right? Yes. Yes. And you just have to practice that on a consistent basis. Correct. And I think I, I, I always was like this ever I can remember, even when I was in like elementary school, I knew like, I remember like we would get assignments and then the teacher said, oh, it's due a week later in seven days, but I do it on the day that I got the assignments and people think I'm crazy. My parents were like, you, you have seven days to do it, but I can't like, this is the same thing that I'm, you know, with my, when I get a new listing, you know, I wanted to, I, I'm already starting like booking appointment for photo shoot. I'm writing description. I know when I'm going to do the open house, I have a plan, plan now. And I would tell my client, this is my plan. So let me know if this worked with you. You know, can I go there for photo shoot? I like to stay organized. And I think that's important to be successful in this business. So today, what percentage of your business is listings versus buyers? Do you have any sense of it? So I would say 60% buyers, 40% sellers. Okay. Last year, this year, it depends. Like, it's good to have buyers in 2020, 2021 in a city because buyers have the power in negotiating like two years ago, three years ago. But now it's almost good to have the listing because when you know when you list something, you know it's going to sell right away because it's all multiple offers now. Like everybody's back in the city. There's not enough listing enough properties to buy so if i'm hearing you say this right now as we sit here you don't feel the inventory levels have gone way up over what they've been over the last couple of years oh my god it has gone down too much like in 2020 2020 like i do mostly like downtown like lakeview uptown like into streetville river north loop south loop chinatown like in the city uh high-rise condos and um we had a lot more inventory during 2020, 2021. Like it has come down to uh, so much. And now when a listing is listed, usually we get multiple offers right away, which didn't happen three, four years ago. So there's, there's a shortage of properties right now, I would say. You know, some people, Chi Hao, some people will say to us, you know, hey, that the inventory has gone up and sellers it you know it's taken them much longer to sell the property where are they okay so you're telling us in the city of chicago it's still if the property i'm gonna put words in your mouth you tell me if it's right or not if the property is priced correctly correct if the price is correct and if the unit is ready for moving because some properties are they need renovation then that's a different story. But if a unit is okay, like you don't you don't need like a full renovation, just maybe like pinting and a little like pinting the cabinet, like easy job to do. And the price is right. Yeah, you get multiple offers right away. Like I had a listing 
the, the sellers came to me in early March. They told me they, they had a property in Bridgeport. Oh, this is an interesting story. They had, they had a property in Bridgeport and they gave me the address and I looked up. The property was listed for a month or like 37 days. So that, but it was canceled with the broker. And then, so I asked them what's going on? We're like, why did you have any showings? And they told me, no, they had zero showing in 37 days on the market. So I look at the photos. The broker went into the unit, took photos with his phone, like five or six photos and posted on MLS. They have a duplex down over 2,400 square feet of property. The photos were horrible. You would like, no, like it's, it's like a two bedroom, 2.5 bath with like a basement, finished basement and two more rooms in the basement plus a garage for only $300,000 in Bridgeport. It's a hot property. And I don't know why no, it was not like so already. So I told them, hey, if you work with me, I would do professional photos instead of the, the iPhone photos. I would do a Metaport 3D tour for you. I would do a video walkthrough and post on YouTube. I would do a floor plan and I would do virtual staging for you. I took the listing. I'd finished everything I needed to do. I, the open house, like 10, 15 people came through and we got multiple offers and we sold over asking price in four days. And my clients were just shocked. Like they were like, how is that possible? They felt their property couldn't sell. I said, yes, it's the seller's market. Like, what do you mean? Like it couldn't sell? It's the marketing that was, it went, it went wrong. Like you had no marketing. Like, you have no photos that people, why would people come into your property if your hor- your photos are horrible? So that's, you know, it also proves the point where marketing is very important. Like a lot of times, like it's not the property that has the issue, it's the marketing play. See a lot of agents, they don't know what they're doing. So let me, let me get it straight. So you put the property back in the market after you started doing the marketing and you, you didn't lower the price? We did not. We listed at three two nine 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 one dollar. We lower it. All right. I told them let's lower it so we might get you know just it looks different. Yeah, and then and we sold it three oh five. You sold it at three oh five in yes. four days. Four days. So we listed on like a Wednesday, and then we did open house Saturday, and then like we went on the contract on Sunday, and then we closed in three weeks, and they were just shocked that how. And then these people reach out to me on social media. It's the Chinese version of Instagram. They reach out. They say, hey, we have this, you know, cancel listing. We're looking for a broker that can help. And I said, that's me. You found the right person. And I, of course, at first, they were like nervous about if they, you know, go into this situation again where, you know, the photos are not taken. There's no floor plan. There's nothing. I said, just, you know, I told them, look at my website. Look at my review on Zillow. Like, look at what I might look at my portfolio, basically. I do the same thing for all my sellers. So you don't have to worry about it. And if we don't sell right away, then it's, it's probably the price. But I, I told him, I don't think so, because I think we price right. It's just, it's the marketing. So just out of curiosity, because you mentioned the open house, the yeah. people who ended up closing on that, that property, had they come to the open house? They did. 
it, they did come through from the open house and they're cash buyer. So, and we'll talk about cash in a minute, but what do you say to the brokers who say, ah, open houses don't work? You know what? I don't know if for this property at work, for a lot of my other properties, open house didn't work either. Like it really depends. I think it depends on the properties. So if I know like during like in 2021, 2020, when nobody wanted to live in a city, people were like out. And then if I had a listing, you know, to do open house and it, it was pointless because when I get an open house, if one group can buy and they're like in the open house and they, they're inside for 30 minutes, they saw nobody that come by, they're not going to put an offer. They were like, oh, nobody likes this. Like, why would we want to buy it? Because this is how humans are when they see a lot of people and they, they want to buy it. So I will only do an open house if I know I can attract, like, I know there will be traffic. So like I, I took a listing last year. And then the place was pretty old, like, and it's over Christmas time. I knew like doing open house wouldn't help because nobody was going to come by to see it. If there was really a group that came by, it might hurt me because they would see there's no traffic and they didn't want, they probably didn't want it. So it might have, so I think like a private showing would be better for that situation. So you just have to analyze, you know, the scenario and see if open house is 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 the is the right way to go usually you can look at the pumps in the building and see how long properties are on the market before they are sold yeah that's what i do and to decide if open house is necessary so the open house scenario it, you're you're strategic yes about when you're going to do open houses yes and instead of people do like two hours three hours open house no that's Bad. I think open house, you do like sometimes, you know, sellers, they want you to do two hours, three hours, but I tell them, no, like you want people to see each other. You want everyone to see each other. So I would do, I would say like an hour, maybe 90 minutes max. It's not, I'm being lazy, but you, you have to be smart. If, you, if it's three hours period and nobody, like the people who don't see each other, then you don't create sense of urgency. You want to create a sense of urgency and you want everybody to like run to each other and you want people to hear your questions. And the more going on, the quicker the place is going to go on the contract. And I think, yeah. So then I, now when I do open house, like 60 minutes, 90 minutes, and then that's it. And then the goal is to, you know, get it on the contract after the open house. So it's interesting because by compressing the time, what you're doing is creating energy yes by people going if i only have an hour and a half that i can see this property i better go there the other the other open houses i've got you know a couple three hours i could visit them you know later but if yeah. i'm going to visit this one i gotta be there during that window right. and then that allows there to be this energy of, of a variety of people coming in yeah it's like when you're eating something if there's just not enough and you it tastes better and when there's so much you know you know what i'm saying like where there's a lot of people yeah. and there's like one plate of food you fight for it <laughs> and then when there's too much and then you know who, who cares so you're creating a strategy um, so now let's talk about cash for a second so 
what percentage of your buyers. Now, I know in 2021, 2022, we had a lot of cash buyers in the marketplace, right? Yes. What today, what percentage of cash buyers are you seeing? I just, so I had one, two, I have three. Oh no, I like four. I just had a four, I have four close, uh, closing there were cash in the last, like this, this year. So maybe so once a month. Yeah. Once a month now. So what percentage of your overall sales? Oh, so no. most people are still doing mortgage. I would say like, I would say 80% mortgage, 20% cash. Yeah. So that's still much higher than traditional cash numbers are in a normal market. Yeah. All right. But it's still much higher than it was. It's lower than what we saw in 2021, 2022, a little bit. But it's good to see that it's still going on. Yeah. You know, that people are and and people are out there offering cash really in an effort to actually get the property. Yeah. Right. Instead of instead of, you know, a, a seller looking at, you know, the the properties that are financed, they're more likely, if the numbers are, are in line, to take a cash offer. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I totally forgot about my one of my clients. He purchased five or six properties with me and it's all cash. He, he basically buys one properties every like three months with me. And then he buys it and rents it out. And I've helped him for like, this is like five or six months already. And then he's, it's always cash with him. Yeah, so it depends. Yeah, so there's there's still a lot of people. He's an investor, so obviously, with an investor, you you've established this relationship where you know he's going to be buying stuff cash, right? And more, I would say, owner occupants and to get the loan. Yeah, fair. Is that a fair statement? I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay. So the market is what it is, and you're still thriving in this market. Because, you know, some brokers are out there, agents out there saying, oh, no, this market, the sky is falling, you know, that kind of thing. You know, compared to last year, I, it's, everybody's production is less. I think even a top brokers, they're doing one third of what they're doing. And I think I am doing less compared to last year. Like up to like, if I compare last year to today, you know, I'm doing less. And I think overall, the production wise, the valuing wise for everyone in Chicago, I think it's it, it's going to be lower than last year because we had a great year last year and the interest rates started to go up, you know, summer. And then I think that back to the issue, I think there's not enough inventories in, in like right now. And sellers are not selling because they have nowhere to go if they're selling. Like if they have more than one property, then, you know, they can sell it and it's perfect for them to sell. But then if they are selling and buying a new place and if they are locked in with the good interest rate at like three or 4%, they're not selling now because they are nervous to, you know, they might not find something they like. So I think overall production, even for me, it's a little bit less than last year. So slower, but I mean, still good. Like for me, like I am, I, I will survive, <laughs> but overall it's still less than before. Got it. Um, 
so let's take this from the perspective of a brand new real estate broker agent making their way into this market today. What would be your piece of advice to a brand new person getting into this business? Ooh, my first year I was poor. And I think people who get into this business, it's, I think the reality is if you do this part-time, you're, it's not going to work because clients can tell if you do this part-time. The clients want to work with somebody who is doing this full-time. And usually in like the first year of business, it's tough because, you know, getting clients, paying bills and stuff like that. So a lot of times, somehow, I think you need to have some kind of savings or like support from your families. And I think that's just, uh, that's the honest opinions I have. Like if somebody who just, you, you don't have savings, you want to get into this business right away. I don't know how the person is going to pay the bills because I know how much, how little I make the first like six months. And then I know a lot of people who got into this business with me and they couldn't, they can't stay in this business because there's no income. They're not generating income and they cannot pay for bills or rent. And they just have to, you know, find something else that actually brings income. So, but I would say if you want to do this, be consistent, be be patient and then do continue to tell people what you do. Tell the people around you. Like I get a lot of my first rental client was my friend who just finished law school at Northwestern in 2018. I told him, Hey, I'm doing, I, I just got my broker license. Would you work with me? He knew I was new. So I wasn't as, as nervous, but it's just took on, you know, apartments touring, like tours. And later, you just have to be consistent and be be patient and don't give up. Like some people give up easily. You have to fight for it. You have to go out and look for your own clients. And but like, you know, there's like a point to where you, you if it's not for you, like my sister took the, took the class with you. Remember? Yeah, my sister did it. And she kept, she moved to Chicago. She got her license. She followed me for a month. She decided it's not for her. She quit. So she went back to Boston because it's just too, she saw how I was like late at night doing emails. I have to pick up phone calls early in the morning on weekends when we are eating. When we're on vacation, I'm always just working. And she has an RN license. She's a nurse. So she's like, no, I, this is like my lifestyle. She, she cannot do this because she want to go to work at 7 a.m. and finish at 7 p.m. She doesn't she want to deal with phone calls or emails after work. So it's not for everyone. So then you just have to, like, I think for a new agent, you just have to figure out this, to be a real estate broker, it's a lifestyle. Like, it's not, there is no, like, nine to five. There is no, like, we, we don't have weekends. Like, if I'm in Chicago, I'm always working, like, I, I did showings like in 20, 2019 Christmas time. I remember I was showing people's properties because Chinese people don't celebrate Christmas and they don't care. They asked me if, if I could show. So I asked the seller if I can show and it's vacant. So I show properties on Christmas day, you know, and then I don't really, like I was here and my family's, they, my family's not here. So I didn't celebrate Christmas. So it, you just, you gotta do what you have to do to become successful in this business and it's tough. Like, I, it's not easy. It's not, you know, like all these TV shows make this jobs look fun <laughs> and easy. 
but that's that's not correct. We are busy. You know, they don't know what's behind the scene. Like, you know, they don't know all the contract we're writing, all the offers that we have to draft. And then we are so nervous, like for the buyers, like we might, we, you know, we have to put in five offers at this market now before we even get one on the contract. Because it's just so competitive. And, you know, like they don't know when we go to a showing and, you know, the door is broken, there's key. So I have to like climb through a window to get into a, a showing. Like this is not on TV. You know, and people, and then there's so many brokers that are trying to get into this business and thinking, you know, we're just, once they get into a business, they, you know, clients just go to them and say, hey, I want to sell my place with you. No, that's the TV portrays the, the best. Of course, you know, that happens, you know, commission check, like all this closing and it's, it's happy. Everybody's happy. Everything's great, but we have that. But we all, in order to get to that point, there's so much that we have to do. And then sometimes we have to do so much. I might be working with the buyers. It happened to me. I worked with a buyer for three months, two months, and we went on the contract at Trump Tower. And then the uh, the the mortgage fell through, and then the buyer got really discouraged, and he just he rented another year with the his building. And then I literally wasted two three months with this buyer and I get nothing. I get no, no money from this. And then, you know, in the beginning, you know, this stuff like this happens. And then in the beginning, I would be really, you know, upset. You know, it's a lot of money I'm waiting for because I have to pay my bill too. I have to pay my rent, I pay my mortgage. But, you know, as time goes by, I just have to tell myself, you know, stuff like this happens. You know, there are good days, there are bad days, good years, bad years. And last year was pretty good. This year might not be as good, but, you know, it's just how it is for sales. So that's why, you know, keeping, putting your money aside, have a saving plans because we don't pay tax right away. So like putting your money away to the account so you can pay taxes is also important. So you just, so like back to being organized. So you have to be organized. You, you, You just have to be patient. You have to know what you're doing in this business because nobody's going to teach you. Nobody's going to tell you what you don't have a boss to tell you what's going to happen to you. Well, and I think that's one of the challenges that people getting into this business don't realize is that they they will come into class. I mean, we certainly had it in your class. I want to be my own boss. And, you know, well, they don't realize that when you're your own boss, you have the best boss, but you also have the worst boss. Because you're responsible for everything that you're doing. So you just yeah. can't sit there and go, well, what do, what do I do now? You know, you, you've got to go out and seek that knowledge, right? Yeah. How do you stay on top of like emerging market trends or or different, you know, new tools? How do you do that? So I subscribe to a lot of the, like a newspaper, like, you know, in Chicago, the Tribune, the, the CNN, like they have like real estate section. And then, you know, I read those and then like, um, just a different website they send like you know I, I try to read like 20 minutes to 30 minutes a day so I know what's going on and you know we drive around all day long so when I see an empty lot and then when I see they put like a fence around it you know I quickly look up and just to see what's going on with this property because I want to know or just like by talking to people like I just close you know the one in South Loop it's a two-bedroom two-bath we closed over 600,000 and I post just closed at this property. And one of my friends who live in a building texts me and he said, hey, 
I saw you just close uh, a unit in my building. I live here too. And he told me, did you know the part, like the little area in front of the building just got approved by the city to build like a six, like a mid right, low rise condo. I said, well, I didn't know, but now I know. So I look up. So it's just by talking to people, driving around, looking up, you know, so I stay informed, like what's going on, what's being built. And I think that's important because clients are always, it's good to share with clients what's going on. And they want to buy this building. Like I live in Streeterville. There is an empty lot that I've been sitting there for 20, 25 years. You probably know it's like the, the big circle. And people always ask me about like what's going on with this empty lot, when it's going to be built. So I send them links. I say, hey, this is the plan. And, you know, it has been there for years. It's going to be built one day, but we don't know when. Yeah, it's because it has been talked about for, you know, the last 20 years, 20 years since I moved to Chicago. And, you know, at New East Side, the Aqua building, there's that little New East Park. They just they built so many buildings in the last 10 years. There's so many new buildings that come up there. And then I tell them, like, what's next? You know, people appreciate, you know, information like that. And that's what I think that's what we should do as a real estate broker. We should learn and stay on top of things like this. So, you know, what's interesting about that is, is that it adds to your credibility as a broker by just having, I don't want to call it random knowledge, but it certainly seems like, you know, somebody says, oh, what's going on over there? And you have that knowledge or you have an article or you have something that you can express. They go, oh, all right. Tihau yeah. knows, knows what's going on. Right? right. And even if they're not interested in what's going to happen there, in their mind, they're saying to themselves, oh, this guy must be an expert because he knows these things or he's willing to find out to be able to tell me what's going on. Correct. You know, for example, there is another a, a couple, they bought a townhouse with me and they bought two investment properties with me already. And then I know they continue wanting to buy more. So then every time they send me a listing, they say, hey, this building, and I know by heart if this building is investor friendly or not. Because a lot of building has rental caps, rental restriction. I know where I live, there's rental restriction. I know some building there are investor friendly where you can buy and rent out right away. So as soon as they tell me a building, I usually can tell them right away, oh, you can buy there. Like you, And then the rules change. So I just have to be familiar with the building. And sometimes it's, it's not, it's not like I'm sitting here studying about each building. It's, you know, as time goes by, I do showings and I learn and I memorize. So next time when somebody asks me, I can tell them right away, oh yes, if you're trying to be an investor this is the building that you should go so in like i have a list of buildings that i know in chicago like if you want to be an investor i can tell you where to buy so things like that that you know i think my clients will appreciate so talk to me for a second um have the trend of airbnbs have you seen that becoming a much bigger thing in the chicagoland area over the last few years oh like no condo only one building allow airbnb it's 30 east Huron. that building and it's not airbnb they have to do it has to be 30 days minimum like lease term none of the condo high rise in chicago allow airbnb if you want to do airbnb it has to be a single family home or something there's like a townhouse where the 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 HOA allows it, but I have not 
none of them, like I, Airbnb is illegal for a lot of high-rise condo in Chicago. So no, if you want to do Airbnb, it's, you have to go buy a house. So that's not really a. Or you have to buy the building. Buy the buildings. Yeah. Like three, three units, like in Lakeview, Lincoln Park, like three flats. And then those, if you're the owner for the whole building, then you make the rules. But yeah. So it's, it, you know, because again, that's one of the hot topics people want to come into class and talk about. Oh, you know, I want to get out there and I want an Airbnb. And I tell them pretty much what you just said. I don't know of a high rise condo association they that allows yeah. Airbnb because it's just not their model. I, like people think like doing Airbnb is easy. I've done it before myself. And then if you self-manage Airbnb, it's a lot of work because you have to do the scheduling, people book it, and then they come here and then you have to clean up after you have, if you're, I was doing the cleaning myself. So it was a lot like, I just, and I was, there's just so much work. And then people complain during their stay or upstairs, the neighbors, and it's just a lot of things. And then if they're having party and then downstairs neighbors are complaining, it's just not, it's not as pretty as what, you know, like we were told, you know, on TV or media. But of course it works. I know a client who sold their property in Chinatown in February. He was doing Airbnb for the, the, the it's a, it's like a three floors. Yeah, three units building. We're on the middle floor. He showed me his uh, rent income. He had over, I think he was, he was charging like up to three, $400 a night during summer when there's conferences at McCormick place. And then he has like 30,000, 40, 50,000. So it's more than what he could rent for. The property is only like less than 300,000. It's not a super fancy place, but he was making a lot of money, but then he ended up selling because I think it was just, he didn't want to do it with doing Airbnb. So I think it's great money, but there's also so much that's involved that, you know, you have to keep up. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly people who make it seem like, oh, it's so easy, it's so easy. And I'm certain that to some extent, it's it's easier for people that are set up to do it. You know? Yeah. But it's also not necessarily for somebody that, that doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't at least, you know, educate themselves on, on how to do Airbnb. It's, nothing's ever as simple as people make it sound. Yeah. If it's simple, everybody's going to do it. Like if it's just buying a place and rent it out. No. Like I think I, I had a property, I was doing Airbnb, but I now just do like a long-term 12 month lease. That's money-wise is way less, but it's so much easier. So you're not <laughs> dealing with like people every, like there are people moving in and out every like, every, like twice a week. And it's just too much. Right. So as we wrap up here, um, I want to ask you, you know, obviously you've built your business here over the last five years and it's going well. Um, If you could go back to yourself five years ago. Yeah. Say, so Chi Hao today goes back and meets Chi Hao from 2018. 
what advice would you give yourself at that time? I would say in this business, as a broker, real estate agent, we interview brokerages. Because a lot of people's mentality is we get interviewed by, like they pick us, but no, we pick them. Because we are the one making money for the brokerage. Whatever we make, we have to give some back to the brokerage. And that's not what I, I don't think that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that I, I was being interviewed. So I'm like, I'm being picked. So when somebody said, yeah, sure, I will hire you. I jumped on it without researching more. So just do your research because every brokerage has their, it's the, the vibe is different. Some is more traditional, some is more like younger vibe and like some is like, you know, just different vibes. So you should, I would, you know, I suggest like, all brokers like they look into different options talk to different agents in the brokerages and see what's like the best fit for them well and i think that is great advice yeah. because you know again a lot of people that come into my classes they'll say to me well you know am i gonna get a job i mean am i how and i always say you know what real estate's not a job yeah. it's a career all right is somebody going to hire me? And I, I say, somebody's going to hire you. Everyone will be hired in this business if you have a license. Right. It's just a matter of what is going to work best for you. Correct. Right. And, and so you started out at one company and, and at some point you moved to this, this new company that you're with. And, you know, the fact is, is that sometimes the fit isn't right. And you, you, you certainly have to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. But ultimately, it's your business. Yes. A lot of people don't even know who I work for now. Like I, I had a client who moved into my building where I live. We were talking the other day. We ran, I ran into him. He was like, he thought I had my own company. I said, no, I don't. And a lot of clients, like my client, they, they think I'm running my own. I said, no, I, I have my own bro managed broker license, but I have my license under my brokerage. I don't own my own brokerage. So, but a lot of times clients actually don't know. So I have my own brand. So my brand is strong enough. They think people come to me, not to my brokerage. I think, I think that's how, how it is in this business. People don't go to like, a brokerage say, hey, I want to I want to work with a broker in your brokerage. No, they're looking for the right person to work with, and they don't care who the broker belongs to, like what brokerage they work for. Yeah. So I, I've often said this over the years, Chiao, is people buy you. They don't buy the company, the majority of them. Yeah. And and that's what you're that's what I'm hearing you say is that yes. most people don't know. They don't care. They don't get care. to work with Chi Hao. Yeah. And, and that's what they want. Correct. You could work for any company and yeah. they're going to work with you. If I move to a new company, I'm sure all my clients are going to work with me. They're not going to go back to, you know, the brokerage and say, hey, I want to work with Chi Hao. Oh, I want to work with this brokerage. They're working with me. Yeah. Right. And I think that's just how, like, I, I would say that's 99% of the time was in this business because we work with the person we want to work with. 
Yep. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And, and, you know, like I said, at the beginning, I've, I've watched your career, you know, as being somebody that's, you know, watched you on social media and all that. Plus obviously having the relationship and, you know, it's been a great ride to see what you're doing, to see the success that you're having, to see the accolades that you're getting from the Realtor Association and from your company. And, but that's because you're doing the work. And, you know, in this business, you get out of it, what you put into it, you know, you're, you're putting your heart and soul into it and it shows. So, you know, I want to say one, congratulations uh, Two, keep up the great work. I, I know there's there's great things in store for you in this business. Number three, I want to say thank you for taking your time and sharing your time today, which we know is valuable with the the listeners. And by the way, if anybody would like to reach out to Chihau, his information is going to be in the show notes. So we'll have his name and his phone number and his email. Please feel free. He and I have talked about this uh, off camera that he is is happy to help anybody in terms of if you have questions about the business or how he does what he does, he's happy to do that. And and I appreciate that, Chiha. I really do. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to talk to you. You see how I grew in the last five years. You're the person. That's where I started. Yeah. I appreciate that. And And the thing is, is that you know, talent will will out. You have the talent, you're putting the talent in place. You know, we always say real estate is equal opportunity, unequal results. And you're showing that when you do this, man, you are rocking and rolling. So congratulations. Thank you so much, Chi Thank you. Thanks again to our sponsor, I Love Real Estate School. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Roundtable podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our amazing guests and you picked up some valuable tips and insights that you can use in your own real estate business. If you liked what you heard today, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Your support means the world to us and helps us bring you more great content in the future. And if you're an agent who's interested in coaching, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me directly through my website, myrealestatesalesmanager.com or connect with me on social media. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you the next time in the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast.